0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today.
1: Good morning. It is Friday, April 23rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by David Lake of Inside the U24-7 Sports' is Miami Hurricanes website. First time guest on the College Football Daily. David, welcome. I love Friday episodes. I'm excited to talk Canes with you. I feel like I I talk about Miami a lot. I was talking about them the other day with Brandon Marcello on 24-7 Sports, and it's always De'Art King, and it's always Transfer Portal, and I get the two are related. As Miami wraps up spring, and as you look to a fun summer of great weather and, and no angst about will they play the games this fall or not, Like, what else about Miami do you think people from a national casual audience need to know.
0: Yeah. Happy Friday. Good to be on with you, Trey. I think kind of maybe the other storyline to keep an eye on with Miami this year is the return of Manny Diaz as the play caller on the defensive side of the ball. He kind of stepped away. He was still highly involved on the defensive side, of course, during his first two years as head coach at Miami. But he's now uh, you know, getting back into the mix. He's now the head coach basically the defensive coordinator now this year too. It's also a pretty much entirely new defensive staff this year compared to last year. So interestingly, you know, the issue for Miami has kind of always been offense over the past 15 years. But this year going into 2021, kind of the question marks, so to speak, are on defense. And Manny's kind of getting hands-on to try and get that side right. But also, you know, I think going into year three, things are a lot a lot better feeling around the program right now in terms of the overall talent on the roster. The depth is better. And it starts with the quarterback. You mentioned Derek King. Fans obviously know what they got there, but I'm sure we'll get into it here too. It looks like Miami's got a couple of good young quarterbacks on the roster as well.
1: Yeah. I was watching the spring game, a little bit of it, and then the highlights too. And Jake Garcia, like absolutely looks ready in 2022. I want to dial into that, the the defense real quick with you, David. Blake Baker was at one point super exciting defensive coordinator commodity, Manny Diaz, and he was like a GA at, at Texas when Manny Diaz was there. He took a job this offseason as a linebackers coach at LSU. So, you know, I, I think we can all understand perhaps what happened there as far as Manny having too much pride to let a defense of his rank 57th So Manny's calling. Is he the DC now? Like, did did they hire a proxy DC or he's just calling the plays or what?
0: He's calling the plays. It's Manny Diaz's show. And, and, you know, all spring, he said, you know, there's really been no transition. It's what he's used to doing for the majority of his coaching career. So, you know, I think I think it's just kind of getting back to basics. Right. I mean, after that North Carolina game. It was going to be hard to retain whoever the defensive coordinator was. You know, that North Carolina game, the Tar Heels ran for 550 rushing yards. It was ugly. And, you know, that just can't be excused at a place like Miami. So essentially, Manny Diaz demoted Blake Baker and kind of announced himself as the play caller of the defense this year. And then Blake Baker accepted the job at LSU. Cause you know, he could, he could read the writing on the wall, obviously. So new staff, I mean, we'll see if the results change. I do think the offense will, will take a step forward in 2021. And I think if that happens, then, then kind of the goal honestly is for the defense to just kind of maintain as like an average or above average group.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Manny Diaz, his own defensive coordinator this year, you mentioned the offense. When you're telling me about Manny Diaz taking a more hands-on role three years into the job, like that happens a lot. Like we've seen Gus Malzahn toggle between that. Usually, it sure. kind of goes like real hands-on with your position or specialty at the beginning, and then as you move on, you take like a CEO Davo Sweeney approach to things, or at least some coaches do. I think it speaks to the really good job Manny Diaz has done stabilizing Miami via transfer portal and the hire of Rhett Lashley to be his offensive coordinator that he can afford to get into, into the nitty gritty. Cause like a year ago an off season ago, like I I wasn't quite sure if Manny Diaz was even like the right man to be the head coach. And and now he's done such a good job building up enough comfort with the other areas that he can probably not really even focus on the offense.
0: It essentially is Rhett Lashley's offense. I think Manny Diaz let, You know, Rhett is essentially the head coach of the offense. He does his own thing over there and Manny can focus on the defense. I I think the concern, if you are going to have concern over the head coach being the play caller, right, is with recruiting. And and that's kind of to be determined because we're so early in this cycle to know whether or not. You know, Manny's going to be taken away from his recruiting responsibilities because he'll be so involved in the game planning and and play calling and all that. But I think Manny's counterpoint to that would be: Look, if we win ten games, the recruiting's going to take care of itself. I think we kind of saw that last year. You know, Miami had a nice little uptick season. And they had one of their better recruiting classes in a long time last year, you know, partially due to the pandemic as well with guys not being able to visit. But I think Manny would say, look, if we win games, we'll be able to recruit at the level we need to recruit at. And that's kind of the main goal that Manny is still trying to accomplish at Miami because he has improved the roster. He has stacked some talent there, but there's still, if we're being honest, there's still probably one or two recruiting classes away from from really you know, being viewed as a real contender on the national stage, which is, which is the goal for Miami, even though, uh, it, it has certainly been a long time since they've been in that position.
1: Yeah. The number 12 class last year, number 69 right now, but they only have one commit four star quarterback to Brown. So it's really hard to evaluate that. It, it does feel like the, the, the future, maybe that the program, you need a few more recruiting classes feels like quarterbacks in a really good spot. David, the Eric King rehabbing from that ACL injury I guess the expectation is he's going to be fine for week one against Alabama. But man, like the addition of Jake Garcia, the former USC Mm -hmm. commit, I think that's going to end up being huge. Like he already clearly looks better than Tyler Van Dyke, a guy who was one class ahead of him.
0: I agree. Jake definitely showed some special ability and kind of one of the interesting nuggets during the spring was I think in the first half, he was really limited what he could do. He he was still kind of dealing with an Achilles injury that, that he sustained during his senior season at Grayson High School in Georgia there. And he was cleared full go for the first time before Miami's first scrimmage. You know, we didn't get to watch that first scrimmage, but Miami did release the stats and he ripped it up in that scrimmage. He did it again in scrimmage two. And then the spring game, scrimmage three, everyone got to see he went 19 of 25 for 255 and two touchdowns, got plenty of first team reps, Looked comfortable in the pocket, which is, you know, pretty rare for an early enrollee freshman. You see most of those guys kind of flushing out of the pocket early just because they're not used to that, you know, having to operate from the pocket all the time yet. But Jake kind of shows a lot of natural ability. He's willing to push the ball downfield, which, you know, kind of, in my opinion, separates good to great quarterbacks. So, you know, I think there, there is a lot of positive feelings around Jake. He, he still needs to clean some stuff up. I honestly was was impressed with Tyler Van Dyke too. You know, is he special like Jake is? Probably not, but I think he is a good college quarterback. And, you know, Miami's in a position right now where those two are going to be battling out for the next, what, 18 months or so. And that's kind of the perfect scenario as the guy who's going to take the reins from Derek King after this season.
1: Fun three-man running back battle. We don't need to dive into it. Uh, I'll, I'll leave in the show notes the, the article you did with Chris Hummer, Cameron Harris, Don Cheney, and Jalen Knighton. Three mm-hmm. very capable players. Looks like Rhett Lashley kind of wants to find one as his featured guy. We'll talk about one more offensive position group, and then we'll, we'll talk about the defense, which I know has some question marks. The best name in college football, Charleston Rambo. You're feeling pretty good about him as a breakout receiver, aren't you, David?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. The, the early buzz on him was not exactly great. So I, I do think it took some adjustment time early in, in spring football, but it started clicking during the second scrimmage and, and it's taken off ever since then. And Miami really needs some consistency, honestly. I mean, it'd be great if they had a number one, you know, stud receiver to go to, but honestly, all they need is consistency because they had so many drops last year in 2020. If anyone watched the uh, Cheez-It Bowl, mm-hmm. you could make the argument that uh, Miami dropped three or four balls that would have been touchdowns and, and, you know, ultimately could have been the difference in that game. You know, D went down in that game to cozy Perry got Miami back in that game, but the receivers were, were dropping balls all over the place. So they feel good about Mike Harley in the slot feel good about Charleston Rambo on the outside now. And then Will Mallory, who was out this spring with a shoulder surgery rehab deal, he'll be good to go in fall camp. So they kind of feel good about that top three and hopefully a younger guy or you know, D wiggins, Mark Pope steps up.
1: I really like Will Mallory. I think he's going to be a a pretty solid replacement for mm-hmm. Brevin Jordan. Obviously Miami fans are plenty familiar with him defensively. Jalen Phillips is gone. Quincy Roche is gone. Greg Rousseau, of course, opted out of the 2020 season. Who is the face of the Miami defense?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I think it's two guys, right? I think it's Bubba Bolden safety who was, uh, who was held out of the spring game because I guess he was dealing with a little toe injury, but he's expected to be back for summer workouts. And then Nesta Jade Silvera, who was also held out of the spring game because of offseason shoulder surgery. He's a guy that kind of broke out last year. You know, he's kind of a sawed off defensive tackle, but he's got some twitch to him. And he flashed some some ability to take over games last year at defensive tackle from that, that three technique spot. So The goal, the hope is that both those guys, honestly, can be more consistent because they did flash special ability, but there was also some instances that were not good. You know, the North Carolina game was not good for anyone. Those two were definitely a part of that. But, you know, against Clemson, I think Bubba Bolden was was kind of a star on the defense. He didn't really maintain that level of play the the rest of the year. And then, you know, the Florida State game, NC State game, Nesta Silvera flashed in those games. So the hope is that those two guys kind of take the next step with their consistency. If they do, they'll be in the conversation for first team all ACC. Miami also got a couple transfers, you know, can't talk Miami without the transfer portal, right? So Tyreek Stevenson, transfer corner from Georgia, Miami's happy with what he did this this spring. I think we kind of saw how he's going to stabilize things in the spring game there on the outside. And then DeAndre Johnson, who I'll be honest, I was kind of skeptical on if he would be able to continue the tradition Miami's had of twitchy, game-changing defensive ends. He's a transfer from Tennessee. And I think after re-watching that spring game, he did jump out to me. I don't know if he's super twitchy, but he does do a nice job of timing the snap. His get off is good enough. He plays with good enough bend. And I think he could, you know, during this Manny Diaz era, every season they've had at least one defensive end total, eight sacks in a season. So I think he's going to be the guy, if you're going to say who's going to do it this year, it would be DeAndre Johnson, the Tennessee transfer.
1: Last little question for you. So the Canes went eight and three last year. COVID shortened season, of course. That's a pretty good record mm-hmm. for a COVID year. I'm pretty bullish on them, David. But this schedule. Sure. I mean, my goodness, Alabama, Appalachian State. Why are they playing Appalachian State? Right. Michigan State. Why are they playing Michigan State and Alabama in the same offseason? And then the other non-conferences, I don't know what CCSU is. Um, I'm looking at the schedule, but Central think, Connecticut. <laughs> okay. And then they're even they're going to North Carolina, to Florida State. Two pit, they could be pretty good and, and still win less games than last year, right?
0: We'll see. I mean, I do think, in my opinion, I think the expectation for it's time for for Miami to to win ten games. So I'm putting the expectations on this team to be ten and two. I think, of course, you look at that Alabama game. It is what it is. You know, go out swinging at the end of the game, dust yourself off, and uh, you know, prepare for the rest of the year. But you're right, Appalachian State, one of the better Group of Five teams in 2021, not going to be an easy one. Michigan State, always going to be tricky. To me though, the the three games I am circling that I think will determine whether or not Miami does go 10 and two or you know, worse. I'm looking at Alabama, of course, that North Carolina game, of course, Miami does have two weeks to prepare for that game. So we'll see if that matters. And then the week after that is NC State. And, And in my opinion, NC State, is being slept on. I, I think they are a top 25 team. I think they'll be one of the better teams in the Atlantic. And and I think, you know, you can make an argument, they are the second or third best team in the ACC. So I got my eye on those three games. But, you know, in general, I think the coastal division is deeper than people want to get it, give it credit for. Like, I think Virginia, they got a, a sneaky good quarterback. Kenny Pickett returns for what feels like his eighth year at Pittsburgh. So and then, you know, you never know what happens in a rivalry game with Florida State. I'm not super high on the Seminoles this year, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe they're better than I think they will be. So I think you're right that the schedule could be tricky, but it's time. Miami needs to start getting that 10-win season going. And if they do, they will continue to stack talent. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if it'll take off with presumably Jake Garcia, the quarterback in 2022.
1: David Lake, I learned a lot about Miami during this episode. I appreciate you joining us. What a great way to wrap up the week here on the College Football Daily. What a great way to continue our Spotify playlist across the country with the College Football Daily, in which we have episodes on every single Power 5 team or uh, we're working toward that, that we talk about this off-season as we work through our goal there. We appreciate you joining us, David. Best of luck. Have a great spring and summer. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. We'll talk to you all on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.